Hello, I'm Matthew Bishop, the host of this series of podcasts about circular infrastructure in partnership with Vauban. Infrastructure has been a major source of carbon emissions and waste over many years. If we are to have a low carbon, low waste circular economy, it's essential that infrastructure transitions from the traditional linear model in which resources are extracted, used and then discarded to a circular model that puts low waste, recycling and environmental sustainability at its heart. In this podcast, the conversation will focus on the telecoms infrastructure, one of the fastest growing foundations of our modern economy, which is expected to increase in size by 60% by 2040. On current trends, that will result in greater production and increasing electronic waste. According to the World Economic Forum, 57.4 million tonnes of e-waste were generated in 2021, with only 20% recycled. So in this podcast, we'll ask, how can telco operators address and leverage the circular economy revolution? Our expert guests to discuss this important topic are Benoit Dolatin, CEO of Boig Telecom, Sergio Osley, CEO of Telefonico in Spain, and Dr. Paul Eakins at the University College London Institute for Sustainable Resources. I'm going to kick off by asking Paul to set the scene for us. Paul, broadly speaking, how's the transition to a circular economy going and how far along in the transition is the telecoms infrastructure sector in particular? Well, thanks, uh, Matthew. And um, in answer to your questions, the circular economy transition is not going along anything like fast enough. There's a lot of talk about it. And of course, talk is good because if you don't talk about things, you can't possibly deliver anything. But it's got to start accelerating well beyond talk. The issues are really two in that uh, having the kind of linear economy that you described at the beginning means that we dig up a whole heap of resources. And for some of those, there are scarcity issues. There are geological or geopolitical scarcity issues. For the telecom sector particularly, we're talking about copper and we're talking about a lot of other more specialist metals that hitherto have not been produced in huge quantities, but which will need to be as we electrify practically everything in sight. And then, of course, there's the waste angle, which is that if we simply take these resources, use them for a relatively short time in the economy and then throw them away, well, as you said, we end up with mountains of waste. Uh, very often that is not properly managed. And very often, with regard to telecommunications equipment, it's managed in ways that causes considerable pollution, especially in developing countries, uh, and very bad health problems, particularly for children. So these are urgent problems. They're already uh, disrupting people's lives now. And all the forecasts for resource use and waste generation point upwards in a rather alarming way. So we've increased our use of resources globally by a factor of three since 1970, and it's due to double again by 2060 on current trends. And that's what the circular economy transition uh, is, is aiming to change. So it's quite a challenge, Benoit. Um, how high is this on your agenda as a telco's industry? You see, my opinion is that today for our company, to have a strategy to reduce impact on the environment, to have a strategy to reduce carbon emissions more globally, 
to have, um, let's say, a responsible way of doing our business, I think it's no longer an option. It has to be part of our strategy. Sergio, do you share that view? Do you see the circular mindset taking hold in the telco sector? And, and, and how far has this gone from talk to action? Yeah, I would say that uh, as an industry, the telco industry is taking this very, very seriously and it goes beyond just um, empty ambitions. I mean, you need ambitions, obviously. We have, uh, in the case of Telefonica, for instance, we have already announced our objective of zero waste by 2030. Uh, and uh, we have already committed ourselves to very specific goals. Uh, for instance, we have already announced that we will uh, all of our clients will be fiber-based uh, starting next year. We're almost there. Uh, and that will generate huge uh, savings and efficiencies and reduce the waste from the copper network uh, quite significantly. We have already also uh, announced that we are going to recycle 100% of our network equipment by 2025. We're almost, almost there already at 2023, but in two years, all of our equipment will be uh, reused. Uh, so we do have some uh, ambitions uh, set out there, uh, but I would also say that as an industry, there are already some actions that we've been taking for a, for a few years now. Um, and part of the reason why we do that, as Benoit was mentioning, is because this is a demand uh, for our customers. This is something also that we feel like we need to do. But there is also significant economic incentive to do it. Uh, I mean, probably the, uh, the easiest example would be uh, the reusing of our um, uh, customer equipment. This is something that as an industry we've been doing for a long time. If you look at the case of uh, Telefonica in Spain, for instance, uh, we've already reused more than 1.2 million uh, set-top boxes and routers uh, by, by this year. And uh, this is just in Spain. If you take that number globally, uh, that number for, for all of our uh, telephonic operations, that's close to 4 million. And we're also reusing a lot of network equipment. And, and again, this is good for the planet, but it's also good for, uh, from an economic uh, point of view. We, we even have a, internally, as part of the Telefonica group, we have a program that is called the Maya program, in which we try to reuse all of different kind of equipments uh, across our different operations. So it may very well happen that uh, we have a piece of network equipment here in Spain that we are, don't need it anymore or, or for whatever the reason, and we input it into that program that we have internally, and that uh, equipment could be uh, reused in our uh, operations in Chile. Uh, and again, I mean, I think that as an industry, with all of us, uh, we've been uh, pushing this idea forward for, for quite a few years already. Benoit, can you tell us a bit about the initiatives you're taking uh, to avoid uh, overconsumption and, and also other waste in the network? Yes, yeah, so first of all, we have announced our global goal in, in, in um, carbon reduction. We have announced to reduce 50% uh, of scope 1 and 2 uh, in 2030 and 30% of scope 3. And of course, it is a scope 3, which is a, the main um, challenge uh, for, for us. So we have launched several actions. Uh, for example, for, for customers, now for almost 10 years, we have uh, recycling strategies for the smartphone of our um, customers. That means um, it, is today, and it is today completely integrated in our co commercial process. When a customer wants to buy a new smartphone, 
we offer him to buy back his old phone. Uh, and, so we, and so we put his old phone in a recycling process with a specific partner we have in France, which is a major company in the recycling business in France. And so, for example, last year, we have uh, buy back, recycled about um, 300,000 smartphones from our customers. And we do this for about 10 years now. So that's the first big part of our uh, recycling uh, strategy. So on the other part, we also sell recycled second-hand smartphones with a lower amount today. But uh, we begin to see that customers are uh, willing to buy second-hand smartphones, uh, or customers also are uh, having um, their smartphone a longer time. They keep longer the smartphones. And, it, and in fact, third actions, we are en encouraging our customers to repair their smartphones instead of buying a new one. Uh, since now, in three years, we have launched a specific program. We give a specific advantage to our customers if they want to repair their phones instead of changing their smartphones. We offer them a discount, the repair charges, also with a partnership with a company which has hundreds of repair shops in, in, in France. So that's for the smartphones uh, part. As Sergio says, for the routers and setup boxes part, in fact, it is part of the business model of the broadband access uh, business to recycle, and we, we say re refurbish our, our boxes. Uh, and up today, uh, we have refurbished and reused more than two, two million uh, center box and, and rotors. That's totally integrated in the business model. In fact, in the broadband office, that's important. The third part is about the network equipment. On that part, I must say we are perhaps less advanced. Uh, because to reuse network, you know, we are um, a French uh, net, uh, company, only France. So we cannot reuse our um, network pieces in other countries. We have to reuse in our own countries. So we are doing this. Uh, but today we are not 100% uh, reuse of network equipment. We are about 70, 75% uh, of uh, reuse equipment uh, because we continue to grow in rural areas, our network. So when you have to change some pieces of network in the dense areas, we reuse them in the rural areas to extend our, our network. That's, um, that's the main initiatives we have in a circular economy. Smartphones, routers, set-box, and network equipment. Paul, uh, sounds like there's some progress being made. Um, do you find that convincing? And uh, what, what do you think are the... Uh, should be the priorities for these telco infrastructure operators. Well, of course, it's it's great um, hearing that, and obviously, uh, uh, lots of thought, um, strategic effort has gone into it. Um, but I'm I'm left with several questions, really, not so much about the two particular companies that we're talking to today, but um, I, I often hear from companies, and we've heard from both Sergio and Benoit that. Uh, this makes economic sense or financial sense, business sense, uh, to, to do it like this. And, and yet, uh, the numbers that you gave at the beginning uh, show that actually, you know, not only does not everyone do it, but very relatively few people do it, with the result that the mountains of waste continue to grow. So that's a bit of a conundrum to me as an economist. I think to myself, well, you know, if it makes such good business sense, what's happening, what's going on out there? that um, it's not becoming absolutely mainstream. And the kinds of strategies that we've been hearing about are still relatively rare. And, and there are really, it seems to me that there are three sets of issues which 
do act as as roadblocks on this. And I'd be very interested to hear how Sergio and Benoit are challenging this. I mean, the first is is the issue of design. I think we all know that the key to be using and repairing, uh, well, the key to be reusing and repairing uh, equipment of all kinds is to get the design right so that you can actually replace the bits that go wrong um, and you don't have to replace the entire product uh, every time. Um, the second thing are obviously logistics and collection systems, uh, which for consumer-facing companies, I mean, are really, really difficult. I mean, I speak myself from the UK. Uh, if you have a, a, a piece of um, electrical electronic equipment that goes wrong, you know, you've got to take it somewhere. You have no idea what happens to it. Um, it's a it's a nuisance. You find lots of this stuff littering all over the place. So the collection logistics is difficult, and I suspect it's also expensive. And then the third, which which the third thing which we touched on, is the whole issue of supply chains, which is that. Unless the economic incentive is, is very strong, supply chains will do what supply chains do. And very often, what the supply chains do does not make life terribly easy for uh, dealing with products at the end of their lives. Uh, and of course, uh, for minerals and metals in particular, we have a very commoditized supply chain, so that it's rather difficult to tell the difference between a ton of copper, which has been produced in a responsible kind of way, uh, with renewable energy and with minimum impact at the mining stage, and a ton of copper that has come from uh, a, a, a place that has caused very severe environmental impacts. So those kinds of three issues, uh, design, collection, and the whole supply chain, value chain, transparency uh, issue still seems to me to require a lot of sorting out, and I'd be fascinated to hear more details. So, Sergio, just uh, tell us how you respond to those those three areas, particularly. Yeah. Why don't we separate out the design and collection, and then talk separately about the supply chain issue? Yeah, I think I think Paul was very spot on on the issues that we face when we try to push the circular economy. Uh, I would say, in the end, uh, also as Paul was mentioning, um, I mean, of course, obviously, we all want to do better for the world, and we all try to push uh, policies that are better for the for the planet. And, and part of that, we ensure that through the, uh, our procurement policies. Uh, but in addition to that, in order to push this forward to a significant level, you really need to make sure uh, that it makes economic sense. And the good news is that if you put enough focus to it, there is a lot of economic value to be generated through uh, recycling and reusing. And uh, you just need to make sure that the process in which you can make this a reality is efficient enough to generate enough value. And uh, yes, I mean, the best example uh, possibly could be uh, something that uh, both Benoit and myself have talked about and is uh, a standard practice in, in the industry now, which is the reusing of the set of boxes or, or routers. Uh, we are talking about a piece of equipment that can have a cost of, I don't know, it depends on the uh, the actual set of box, but it could be somewhere around 40 euros, uh, 50 euros. And it still it makes a lot of economic sense for operators like us to collect it uh, from the uh, premises of the customers, uh, to reset it and to reutilize it. And um, and we, we make we make a we, we generate economic value through that because we built a process that is efficient enough to make that valuable. And we are as an industry, for instance, now we are pushing forward 
very aggressively, I would say, the refurbishment of uh, the reuse of, uh, of uh, handsets. And many of the challenges that Paul was mentioning were, were, were there, or are still there. How do you make that uh, profitable and viable? You need to collect it, you need to make sure that the handset still works, uh, and you need to uh, reset it and, just, and also be able to resell it. Uh, but we're, uh, we're uh, finding processes and ways to make that a reality and to make that viable. And I think as we, uh, as us managers in the industry, we, we put more focus into how, this, how making this a reality how to make this economically viable, uh, we, will, we will enter into new areas. Um, and because it's, it's also, uh, again, it's an economic need. And we've, uh, we are in an industry where what we produce, kind of, uh, which is the uh, communication or the means to transport data, is something that it's, uh, has a, a huge increase in demand. Uh, over the past few years, the, 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 uh, the transport for data has been increased by over five times. And we need to find ways to make that sustainable, also from an economic point of view, because we cannot, unless we reuse, unless we find ways to make that more efficient from an energy point of view and so on and so forth, we will not be able to offer something that is attractive uh, for our customers. Benoit, just to pick up on... Uh, the point that Paul made about the supply chain. It does seem like uh, there's growing scrutiny about supply chain challenges. How do you do uh, ethical sourcing of, 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 of metals and other raw materials? And also the growing concern that as the world becomes more geopolitically divided, that uh, the challenges for companies in their supply chains are only going to get more difficult. How, how does this all fit in for you? Globally speaking, we, we rely um, deeply on our um, suppliers in what we buy. So the, the, the problem of um, raw materials, the problem of uh, global supply chains um, is handled by our suppliers, equipped network equipment suppliers, uh, smartphone suppliers. And so, in fact, we have to put pressure on these suppliers to the fact that themselves, they have some clear strategy in uh, carbon reduction, in carbon impact and so on. But uh, it's mainly um, through our suppliers that we can address these problems by putting pressure on them. And they are convinced also, but they, they adapt their strategy specifically for, for countries of operators that are really a clear, have a clear strategy to, for this. As Paul said, just, uh, we have two examples today, Book Telecom and Telefonica, which make great actions about all this, but not all operators are doing this. I think there are differences between countries and between um, continents. I think the, in Europe, uh, we, we have pressure to do this. We are making many things about this that it doesn't happen in other parts of the world. So that's, uh, frankly speaking, what we, what we see. Just to come back about uh, design and, uh, and logistics, uh, I completely agree that the design of the product is a, has a major impact of, of the capacity of recycling and uh, and have a circular um, circularity on this product. And as Sergio says about the, the routers, ten years ago we had routers that was not had a good design for for reusing them. It, it, was, a, it was it was a pain to, to reuse them. Then we made some progress in design of the router, not only to be able to reuse them, but also to be able to upgrade them, uh, because you know in the router you have generations of routers, generation of 
uh, Wi-Fi, for example, uh, Wi-Fi 5, 6, 6E, and so on. And so we have we have made the design of the router so that it is easy uh, not only to reuse it but also to upgrade it. So the industry body for Utelco operators, the GSMA, seems to be taking a, a lead on circularity. It's published a couple of strategy papers for the circular economy, including one on network equipment. And Sergio, one of the themes of that paper is that there's almost like too much network capacity and that there should be an effort to do more sharing and to mutualize the network uh, equipment so that so that we can reduce waste that way. What, how do you feel about that? Is that something that uh, people are beginning to explore? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and again, it makes sense from a waste uh, perspective, but also from an economic perspective. I think that the industry has already been uh, very uh, ambitious at sharing parts of the network. I think that the part where we have advanced the most is in the uh, passive uh, infrastructure space. Uh, so a lot of uh, initiatives have already uh, taken place regarding uh, towers, uh, uh, fiber, for instance, uh, especially in, uh, in in rural areas, and now it it would seem that we need to we would need to um, take it a step forward and go into some kind of a, a active RAN sharing, for instance, uh, for for the mobile uh, operation. Uh, of course, there's uh, a lot of things. Uh, I mean. Uh, active RAN sharing is, or RAN sharing is, is, is fairly uh, wide, so there's many different things that we could do as operators. Uh, we, could, uh, we could do some sharing of the core network or the, uh, or the radio access network itself. Uh, sometimes we could share a spectrum, some, some of the times maybe we couldn't. There are maybe a couple of things that we have to uh, take into consideration uh, to see how much we can push forward uh, this sharing. One has to do with the uh, technology limitations. Uh, this uh, more active sharing works uh, quite well in more rural areas or areas that are uh, very um, scarcely populated or low density, with low density of population. Uh, as you try to, let's say, share some part of the uh, network among, for instance, three different operators, and you go into uh, more uh, highly uh, populated areas, uh, the technology might not be quite there yet to make sure that it can handle all of the traffic. So there's some things that need to happen from a technology point of view. Uh, but we also have to take into uh, consideration uh, regulatory uh, issues uh, because uh, there is always this, uh, let's say, balance no, between how do you uh, make something more efficient and the impact that it may have on competition as you start sharing among different competitors. We strongly believe that there is uh, ways and we have explored that and we should be more aggressive in trying to explore ways in which we can uh, work together, all of the different operators, to ensure that we don't do silly things when it comes to waste. Uh, but at the same time, we also have to do it in a way that is responsible and ensures competition. And the regulatory bodies, uh, I'm sure that will be very, very keen to ensure that that is uh, what's, what's going to happen going forward. Does that pressure from the regulator to maintain competition feel like a real constraint? Well, I mean, uh, to a certain extent, uh, but again, I think it's not the only constraint that we have, and I think that we'll probably say that some of our constraints are there for good reason. 
uh, but uh, because again we have to be careful uh, as to what it is uh, I mean we, we, we still need to compete uh, and I think we're all learning what it is uh, to have some responsible use of our resources together and what it is to ensure competition I would I would uh, I would uh, claim that in in certain areas, for instance, in, in, in Spain, uh, we may have too many <laughs> fixed uh, networks, uh, and that is something that maybe we, we could have done differently. But it's also, I think, it's a, it's a way to ensure competition. And so that's, that's the fine balance that we have to strike as a society. Paul, I mean, what do you feel is reasonable to, to expect from the telco networks in terms of cooperation? And I think there's this if we, if we look at other industries, there's a lot of talk about where do you do uh, co-opetition? You know, where, where can you collaborate in a pre-competitive space and where, where, where do you draw the line where you have to then start competing as hard as you can? I mean, what, what can we learn and what can we expect? Well, I'm, I'm terribly struck that both Sergio and Benoit obviously, you know, have this as a core part of their business strategy as opposed to environment, social governance, and all that kind of stuff. And, and obviously, that's where it's got to be if this is going to become mainstream. But as often happens in uh, discussions like this, we find ourselves talking to the leaders who somehow can make it work. But there's a long tail of people out there who are not making it economic and who are simply externalizing these costs onto society as a whole. And the regulator needs to pick that up and make sure that best practice becomes generalized across the sector so that it becomes easier for the sector to make money doing these things. Uh, and it becomes even more profitable for people like Benoit and Sergio to do them. And until that happens, I'm afraid it's going to remain a kind of rather niche activity for people who are really innovative and smart in this area. But there will be quite a lot of businesses out there that don't don't pick it up and act as a drag on the whole move towards circularity. And broadly speaking, I mean, obviously, again, it's very hard to make generalizations, but do you feel that the circular economy is now on the agenda of, of leading regulators around the world? How do they promote circularity or is it still uh, regulators behind even the industry? I think it differs enormously country by country. Uh, I very much welcome the push that we're getting from the European Union uh, in this area. And I think they are raising the, raising the stakes. Uh, in my own country in the UK, I find that we're in great danger of falling behind. We can't even introduce a deposit refund scheme uh, in this country, it seems, although 10 European countries have them and they seem to work perfectly well. So um, I, I think there's a lot of variety out there, a variety in different companies, in different sectors, in different regulatory systems. And what is absolutely essential is that we learn from what works and introduce those things in a way that it does work and a way that accelerates the whole process. So uh, I want to pick up on this theme fundamentally about the business model and how it can change to put circularity you know, at its heart. And I'll start with you, Sergio. I mean, what are the things that you had to do what was the mindset what was the culture change that ha had to happen both at the top of your company and throughout the workforce to really start seeing circularity as a business opportunity and then i'll also ask you uh, both you and, and benoit to talk about what the regulators might do to encourage this shift as well 
Yeah, I think that in the end, I mean, and if I'm being very, very honest here, I don't think we have... Um, so the way that we have, I don't know about you, Benoit, but the, the way that we, we went through it is not so much, okay, what should be our strategy or circularity? It didn't work that way. So we, we needed to think specifically about that and then come up with ideas. The truth of the fact for, for an industry like us is that we are an industry where uh, like two things typically happen, which is we offer something to our customers uh, that is in great demand, and that demand only increases. Uh, so we need to find ways to uh, uh, respond to that demand in an efficient way. And that would mean looking for technologies that enables us to, in, in our case, communicate larger amounts of data in a more efficient way. I mean, most of, of, of us, most of our, of our of, of telco operators, are usually amongst the largest energy uh, consumers in our countries. Uh, we just couldn't hope to maintain our business model if we, if the the, the rate of an increase of data consumption uh, translates would translate linearly to energy consumption. So we need to be innovative in the way that we use technology for that. And we're also an industry in which we use a lot of equipment, uh, both from our network uh, side, but also on the customer side, and so on and so forth. We use that. Uh, we are uh, we are like we invest a lot of capex, uh, and, and then we 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 produce we, we we provide a service on top of that. So again, in order to become uh, competitive, we need to find ways to make sure that that. Um, uh, that's very efficient uh, because we're also changing and, and progressing in our technologies because of the reasons that I mentioned before. So it used to be uh, dial-up, then it was DSL on copper, now it's fiber. It used to be 2G on mobile, now it's 5G. Uh, so how do we make sure that we, we, we get into the latest equipment, but at the same time we do it in a very efficient way? So one very natural way to capture significant efficiencies is trying to reuse as much of our equipment as, as possible. And so that's, that's very, very honestly, that's the way uh, we approach it. There is obviously also uh, some initiatives that we uh, embark on that have to do with, you know, doing the right thing and making sure, and, and typically some of the things that Paul was mentioning, Benoit as well, I mean, we, I think many of us, we have uh, very strict guidelines in, along our supply chain to ensure that uh, the vendors uh, do the right things and they source uh, the, uh, their equipment uh, in, in the right way. But uh, many of the things that we do, I mean, another example, I mean, we, we, as I mentioned before, we're shutting down our whole copper network. So next year, uh, if, if you ever come over to Spain, and you want to have a broadband connectivity, uh, it's only going to be fiber. I mean, that's the case actually almost today. I mean, it's, a, it's very, very strange that we'll, we'll provide you with a fixed uh, broadband connection uh, that's based on copper. That's very, very minimal. Uh, we are re we've been reselling that copper uh, for years now. And, uh, and yes, that is good for the environment, obviously, but we came up together with some partners with processes to extract that copper and, and to make it very, very valuable for us. We actually uh, keep talking about our copper mine that we have. We do have a copper mine, 
And, and again, we do it because it makes a lot of sense for the environment. We do it because it makes, it's a way to reduce waste. But we also do it because it generates a very significant amount of value for us. Um, so that's, that's, why, that's the way that we think about these kind of issues uh, in, our, in our board. Benoit, does that uh, experience chime with you? Is that how it happened? Or did you have a more deliberate strategy in, in a way that wasn't just about maximizing efficiency? Um, and maybe you talk also about the regulatory, what the regulators could do to help. I don't, I don't, don't think that, excuse me, but the regulatory has a, has a major effect on, on this. It's not a regulatory subject to, to force to recycle or to force to... Uh, it's an economic subject. When the parameters are aligned and they are today, so the company are, are making the good choice to, to, to go in that recycling strategy. Uh, I am sure it is, it is more and more uh, obvious that it is uh, coherent. It is, it is aligned with a with business model uh, we must have, with the economic parameters and with the recycling strategy parameters. It's more and more aligned. Um, you see, for, for example, I, I talked about the uh, reuse of set-top boxes and rotors and so on. Um, to a certain point, we, we have come to uh, also to, 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 in fact, to make the set-top box disappear. Uh, that's the best way not to have a raw material to reuse is, is to have no set-top box. And we have developed and launched a dematerialized set-top box. That is, we have, uh, we, we have no more set-top box for one of our offer. We have a nap on the, on the TV. Uh, so there's no more set of box. Uh, that's, that's the best way, and it is completely uh, good for business, uh, for economic, uh, and it's good for the customer, and it goes for it goes for the for the material. So that's okay. That's a, like so the company are working like this, and it's normal. But all already the it's totally in the same in the same in the same way. So we're unfortunately almost out of time. So I'm going to ask each of our guests to peer a bit into the future, the next five to 10 years, and ask each of them, you know, what is the biggest opportunity for this sector, the, the telco network, and what is the biggest challenge in moving to a more circular uh, model? Um, and I'm going to start with you, Sergio, and then Benoit, and then we'll finish with Paul, maybe setting it in the context of the broader uh, move we hope to see towards a circular economy. Yeah, I think that, I mean, looking forward, many of the uh, things that we have discussed about will only continue to, uh, to, to become more and more important. Um, we've, we've talked about network equipment and how to uh, reuse that. Network sharing as technology progresses, we will be able to do more of that uh, together. Um, many of the things that we have discussed uh, will, will continue to become more and more important. Uh, maybe I, I would like to add something that maybe we haven't touched upon, which is uh, it, when you look at us, when you look at the telco industry, the weight of our responsibility across all of the global emissions is not that high, I would say, but we have a, a huge responsibility of ensuring that all of the uh, waste reduction driven by digitalization occurs. And this is something because in the end, I mean, the, the impact that becoming more diesel is already having across all different industries and will continue to have going forward is huge. And telcos are in the center of it. And we need to make sure that we provide those services and that connectivity to make that happen. Many of the new technologies that we're all deploying are going in that direction. Like, for instance, if you look at 5G, 5G is a great technology, 
because it's, it's the first, let's say, uh, native uh, mobile technology that enables to connect things uh, rather than people. Well, it connects people as well, but it's also uh, it's, 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 it's mostly the, uh, the, the advantage comes around connecting things and that will be, that will enable uh, many different things to happen. Uh, one of them, for instance, is making the uh, industrial processes uh, more efficient. That would that would also uh, reduce waste. And that technology itself is much more efficient than previous mobile technologies. So I think one of the biggest opportunities for our industry is not so much within our industry, which of course we will we will tackle that, but also as a core enable enabler of waste reduction across all different industries. Great. Benoit? Well, you see, of course, completely agree with what Sergio said. I would just add finally, one thing, one great challenge we have. Uh, as I said before, we rely mostly on our suppliers and on our vendors. And we must admit that um, the objectives of the goals of uh, recycling reusing, it's not completely aligned with the vendor strategy. A vendor strategy is trying to sell new equipments, new smartphones, or that is strategy. So that's the main challenge we have. Can we um, come to a point that our vendor, uh, so the big company of uh, network uh, equipment or smartphone equipment themselves uh, come to a point so that they, they, they make products that are longer life, uh, that can be uh, easily recycled, recycled, and so and so. And today, we must admit it's not completely the case. That's the, mess, the main challenge. If we want the, the, the telco uh, uh, operators to go to go further in the recycling, okay. So we are making many actions. They will make more and more. But to one point, uh, it's that's possible to go further if the vendors themselves change their strategy. In fact, change perhaps their, their business models. Uh, so that uh, they don't rely only to on uh, on selling new products and new equipments. That's the uh, best, the big, big, biggest challenge, I think, if you if you want to go further. So, Paul, um, lots of positive talk here from our CEOs from the tel telco networks, but also some challenges. What's your big takeaway as to what the biggest opportunity is here and the biggest challenge? Well, I think we've still got lots of challenges. Obviously, I'm delighted to hear the positive talk, and I'm very impressed with the both the uh, ambitions and the achievements of of the the other two guests from from business. But but it's it, I'm left with this paradox that um, so many companies now are seriously addressing carbon emission reduction, for example, and yet globally carbon emissions keep rising. Similarly. So many companies talking a good talk on uh, circular economy and doing lots of stuff, and yet we still have these projections of waste of telecommunications equipment and everything else um, that are continuing to grow. And certainly some of the products, it will make immediate business sense. I mean, copper is an, ex is an obvious example that Sergio has mentioned. But there's lots of telecommunication materials perhaps that uh, are not so easy to reclaim, recycle, reuse. I mean, some of the plastics involved, for example, which uh, which can be much, much more difficult. And that all those thoughts lead me back to the, the fact that I don't think we can rely on the leaders to take the whole market in this direction. I think the policymakers have an absolutely enormous 
task and responsibility to ensure that that becomes the normal way in which markets work. Uh, policymakers have, have a responsibility to make sure that markets work in the social interest uh, as well as in the private interest. And um, as we see from the environmental impacts all around the world, uh, by and large, they're not doing that. Um, I'm an environmental economist, and the word that we hear right from day one is the externality, that too many businesses are creating environmental costs uh, and resource waste, uh, which either are not paid for by anyone particular, or they're paid in, in terms of people's health um, uh, and, and, and people's environments. So there is an enormous policymaking challenge here, as well as the kind of um, innovation uh, and search for new business models that businesses need. So what I want is for policymakers to make, make the life of people like Sergio and, and Benoit much easier in order to make this, you know, absolutely the, the way in which they will create value. And that will involve putting pressure on their suppliers. Um, I'm, I'm a great fan of extended producer responsibility, for example, whereby people who put uh, who, who put materials onto the market basically continue to have responsibility for those materials at the end of the life at the end of their lives, so that they have to give incentives to consumers or the businesses that take them, actually to get them back, so that they can make uh, best use of those materials later on. And there is, as Benoit said, still much too much built-in obsolescence. Uh, the desire of people to sell more and more. We we are slowly moving away from that with things like the right to repair legislation that is now being introduced in many European countries. But it's it's very slow. And in my view, it doesn't go anything like far or fast enough. Well, what a fascinating conversation. Um, I think it's left me with a very clear impression that the challenges are big, but some of the industry leaders are really asking the right questions and doing some important things, but there's an awful lot more talking and an awful lot more action that's going to be needed if we're going to see the transition to circular infrastructure for our telco sector that, that is needed. Um, I'd like to thank our expert guests, uh, Benoit Tordetin, uh, CEO of Boy Telecom. Benoit, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Sergio Osley, CEO of Telefonica in Spain. Sergio, thank you. It was my pleasure. And Dr. Paul Eakins at the University College London Institute for Sustainable Resources. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And uh, thank you very much for joining us.